0: Welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 337. My name is Benjamin Yoder, here today I talk to you about anime video games. That is on the news docket. Games based off anime. Let's talk about that. Um, there's also a little bit of industry drama. This is all news docket stuff here. Um, this industry drama is like always just like a very frustrating thing for me, so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to frustrate myself. I know I do it. I shouldn't do it. Maybe I shouldn't bring it up. We're going to bring it up. It's on the list here. Um... Uh, also, I want to talk a little bit about some uh, Japanese PC stuff, just little bits and pieces here. Not really any news stuff, just things I've been thinking about with that, barely think. No complete thoughts, please understand. That's not what this podcast is about with the stuff like that. Um, and then also a little bit about looking into what Hajime Tabata's been up to, the guy who uh, made, or at least kind of finished Final Fantasy XV, also was part of the third birthday team for that and uh, Final Fantasy Type-0. So uh, just checked a little bit into what he was doing because I saw another article that kind of vaguely mentioned what he was doing. And I was like, okay, what is he actually doing? And I looked into it and found way more information than what the article uh, presented. So so yeah. But um, And then just a few small game updates as well here. Um, a little bit of trouble with game updates where, um, you know, it's spaced out every two weeks. And now that the podcast is spaced out every two weeks, I feel like with news and stuff, I kind of have a full show now most of the time. So I'm, I'm thinking about maybe breaking those out into a separate thing. Um, and I don't know how that would manifest, if that would be something that would go on the Kofi specifically, or maybe like on the off weeks, you know, if I have game updates, I'll upload a game, game overview kind of thing, and I can be a bit more flexible there with what I want to do, right, because, um, you know, I don't have to, I won't be, you know, committing to putting something something like that out but i don't know we'll see thinking about it um wariware snapped one of those games that are on that list of things i want to talk about uh crazy climber for the wii that's also on that list as well but uh, i'm not gonna really touch on them that much during the today's show i don't think i'm gonna say anything about them let's just move on Uh, i did play a little bit of Star Fox adventures though very exciting that's a weird game hey Guess what? I haven't played a rare game since I was like 10. So that was like weird enough as is starting up Star Fox, Star Fox Adventures. Also, you know, if you know the history of that game, you know, it was not a Star Fox game initially. And a lot of that game was built without Star Fox being in it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a weird game in a lot of ways. So we'll touch on that eventually at some point or on some other thing that I post it up on. I don't know. If you listen to everything I say, you will, you will eventually hear it. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but uh, a couple of little, little house cleaning things here up front. Um, technically this is the final podcast of the year. Um, usually that is a game of the years, uh, podcast. However... The next podcast is January first, so um, well I-, I will be recording it during this year. You will receive it at the first of the year, so I'm just gonna make that the game of the year podcast. Hey, if there's anything you want as like a game of the year category, uh, let me know. Send me some messages, and as long as you get back to me before probably you know like the 29th of uh, this December. Um, I will probably be willing to put that in the show, uh, if it makes sense, if I can't think of anything to do with it. But um, just keep in mind, it's very open and broad. I don't need it to be like a game. It won't be necessarily be a game release this year either. It could be a character. It could be a concept. It could be literally a news story. Whatever. If you have something that you want me to mull upon about this year, you can do that. Send that to me, Twitter, Discord, wherever Um. Do I have an email, you guys? I think I technically have an email and may have distributed it at one point and have no idea what it is anymore. Uh, it's one of those things that like nobody ever wrote anything to it. So I just kind of forgot about it. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if you want to do that, let me know. Otherwise, uh, the the first of the year will be a game of the year show based off at least the the things I've gathered. Because I have, I have mentioned it on Twitter and stuff before, but you know, get a hold of me however you can get a hold of me. Are you a family member? Call me. (laughs) Anyways, and then also uh, one little last housekeeping thing. Summerbringer, that video is coming along. Uh, It is probably, I don't know. I'm not going to make any guarantees, but I'm going to say more than likely next year, not this year. So just so you are aware of the situation there, um, that's what I'm expecting probably. Um, It could potentially still come out this year, but I don't know for sure. Um, but by the t- next time you hear me, you'll probably know for sure, and uh, I'm going to guess probably not. I don't know. We'll see. It uh, depends on how much time I take off for the holidays, and if that holiday time I'm off is like, I'm going to sit down and be a dumbass and play Final Fantasy XI for like another eight hours or something, or... If I do something with my life and edit a video together or work on something else, because there are other, the PCFX fan club podcast uh, calls and I need to figure that out <laughs> sooner rather than later as well. So there's a lot of things dragging my attention around, but uh, I did work on a little bit, just got a little bit further from where I last posted an update. If you don't know, on my Kofi, I posted like a a, a inside view of a, a, a really just a draft version of the video. If you want to check out the first eight minutes of that video, it is there. Technically, I guess this is a game I've been playing, but hey, can you really call it a game? Nintendo DS self-help materials. Let me tell you about them. They exist. Um, I recently was thinking about them because I put in the game My Happy Manners collection. I think it's no, no not the collection. That's Happy Dance collection. I think it's called My Happy Manners. I, that's the name I have written here. I don't know if I verified that was the full name or not, but um, this is a Taito uh, game about you know having having prim and proper manners. Um, to have a happier life kind of thing, right? And there's like a lot of this stuff on the Nintendo DS, especially in Japan, um, because, you know, I think the big thing is like mobile, soft phones, or soft phones, Uh, 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 soft phones are a thing, just not in the context of most people's like needs. (laughs) Um, uh, Cell phones, smartphones, that's the word I was looking for, Um, like smartphones and like all the apps and stuff you can do to help yourself just weren't as much of a thing around. So uh, a lot of these DS games, I think are kind of, made after like books and things like that right and i think literally my happy manners is based off a a particular series of books of health self-help stuff um and yeah it's really interesting and there's a lot of different games that try to do different things with that and in america we definitely have some of that stuff too which we'll get into um but also there's things like uh um uh some game where you like learn about the stock market and stuff like that. There's a lot of little things there. And I think they're really interesting. They also often have like really unique art styles and stuff like that as well. How much those art styles are actually prevalent and matter is kind of a whole other thing. But um, I think my hang up is, look, I'm not, I have made many adventures of playing Japanese games without knowing the language in my life. And I've been very happy with those adventures and I've uh, enjoyed them um but getting self help books that are mainly about just, like giving you advice um using machine translation and stuff i really don't know if that's really going to be very effective and those books and stuff uh actually making any sense for you know for you or something like that right so that and being on the nintendo ds like nintendo ds just doesn't play nice with uh machine translation just due to the the tiny text size making things like camera recognition and stuff like that really hard so I'm kind of in the mind and mindset of those kind of like self-help DS games as probably uneventful as they would be. If I ever wanted to check them out and like really dig into them, um, I would need to learn some Japanese. So, hey, within the same category, if you remember many years ago, I purchased myself a copy of My Japanese Coach, made and developed by Ubisoft, the, the most American French company. <laughs> um, and uh, it's about it's a part of a series of language learning uh, tools or DS games quote, quote, games, I, I, I want to be clear. It's not a game, really. I mean, it's on a DS cart and like, yeah, there's like mini games in it. But like, I think I think it's not like Betty or something like that, where you're making an RPG based around learning English, right? It is it is very much like, hey, we're going to just dump some words at you and explain things and, and you're going to do like exercises and stuff like that, right? It feels like you are getting a little self-help, probably, I, I would assume fairly equivalent to like whatever's going on over on Duolingo say, as somebody who has not done Duolingo, so I don't know anything about that stuff, but anyways, but here's my thought. couple things. One, you're like, Ben, why are you learning Japanese now? You've been putting it off for so long. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why I have, I've decided to reinvestigate learning Japanese. I think one of the biggest ones is that, like, Buddy Mission Bond was, like, a milestone for me. Like, that was, that is a 70-hour visual novel game, right? And, you know, I, there's a lot of things that I'm sure I missed in that game through machine translation. I know there's people I have been reached out to by people who don't think that I uh, 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 played that game in in a in a honest fashion. Which, sure, go ahead. <laughs> It's fine. It's a video game. I don't really care, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah. I mean, I got a lot of the ways, and I also had a couple of Japanese comments on the video that were like really impressed by you know. I don't know if it's like a a like oh you really figured it out and like a like a politeness kind of thing, but um. But you know, I had a lot of Japanese comments that were like oh yeah you were kind of um a lot like three uh Japanese comments are like oh yeah like you 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 figured it out you you got most of it down um admittedly i think a lot of them were machine translating my video back at themselves so <laughs> I don't know who's to say snake eating the snake's tail right um but uh but yeah that was like a really big thing and um i think that was like an interesting project to go through and work on and try to figure out how to like you know piece together a game like that in the way i did it um, and you know, I think in a lot of ways, I, I feel like I have approached like playing most Japanese games at this point in different ways, whether it's just, you know, completely mashing through it through like trying to, you know, uh, listen to all the audio and things like that, looking like, at animations on screen with no help, you know, using the baby amounts of Japanese I have to learn some stuff also, then also machine translation. Right. And like, it's all been, um, interesting, uh, adventure for me to go on and I've enjoyed it. Um, But I also feel like in, in conveying those adventures to people, I don't get the feeling anybody else is ever willing to do anything like that. It's a lot of brute forcing hard work to do that for what people just want to have a fun time with video games, right? and so I think for a while I kind of like viewed like there'd be some benefit to me like not really knowing that much Japanese I just want you know I want to be somebody who can say hey this game's enjoyable even if you don't know the language right just like if you have been wanting to play this game for 10-15 years just do it just do it I kind of feel that way about a lot of games it's just like if you really want to enjoy it just do it um but you know that's not how everyone looks at games, I think, and, uh, and I think I have kind of, you know, I think part of the reason why the PCFX, like, English Guide series died out, I think pretty shortly after the Buddy Mission Bomb one, maybe because of the same thing, is just like, I don't think there's interest in that, um, you know, f- whether it should be or not is a whole other thing, but I think what, I think if I were to guess, the two things people want, they want to know about something, they want to be told about something. And then, uh, the other part of that is they want to be told all something until a fan translation comes out, then they could maybe play it if they, if they care enough. Right. I think that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know if that's necessarily a good or a bad thing, but I think it is just like one of those things that like, what am I making these videos for? Then if like nobody else is probably really willing to take that approach. Right. So, I think at this point it's like, well what's the point of me staying kind of like, I don't want to say like willfully ignorant obviously, like I don't it was it doesn't mean I was like just hampering myself just for that, but there was an excuse to not learn Japanese still, right? And I think that excuse is now gone and um and I feel like if I'm going to learn Japanese, now's the time to start. However, I don't trust myself to commit long-term enough to like invest in any major like platform whether that be you know duolingo lessons although I generally got recommended not to do that um you know books or 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 any other thing any other software kind of thing but I do have my Japanese coach and it has three lessons um I think I'm gonna guess probably it's worth like maybe a semester of content or maybe 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 two semesters I don't know Who's to say? Um, I don't. It probably depends on your school as well, right? I remember when I was doing Japanese in school for my two semesters. There was a lot of comments from people in there who had previously taken Japanese classes, being like, "This feels very slow compared to other schools." So I don't know. But anyways, um, so I I decided basically if I can get through my Japanese coach and commit to it and and push through it, I will I will give myself the ability to spend more money on trying to learn some Japanese and really take it seriously. So. That is my goal right now. Um, So I'm probably about like a third of the way through it. Um, I definitely slowed down a little bit because I was finding there was a lot of things in my Japanese coach I wasn't getting a lot of like in-depth explanation on. And they kind of more or less are just like, hey, you kind of figure this out. (laughs) So I think there's just not enough space and text in there for them to really give you like a full like textbook understanding of a lot of concepts and things like that. So it feels a lot like, you know, here's this thing. We're going to gloss over it because we don't have the time to focus on it. But we are going to pretend like we taught you it (laughs) and, and stuff like that. So I think it's just the nature of that series and just like how much content they're able to do and the platform it's on and things like that. So so, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of it all, I'll give you guys my full impressions of it, but I think that is kind of my goal right now is to just kind of get through that and then uh, see where that leaves me. And if I have committed and gotten through all of it and I can knock it off my backlog like a true gamer, um, <laughs> then then I can probably feel good about pursuing something else um, in, in addition to that, so... Obviously, there's a lot of different ways to learn Japanese. I definitely have gotten a lot of opinions from people about what I should or shouldn't do, and I appreciate it. It's all helpful information, right? I think the challenge with me specifically is that like, my experience with learning English was not great. Um, Obviously, I was immersed in English, given I lived and grew up here in America, so that experience could be very different than learning a language, but... You know, when I think about the things I was often told I would have to do to write videos and stuff like that, um, realizing that none of that really ended up mattering in the end, I think was something that I mean, I'm not saying it didn't matter, but there's a lot of things that I was like, kind of pushed to do that ultimately I felt like was a waste of time because I didn't retain any of it. And I still feel like I got to where I wanted to go today. Right. So I think, again, very different if it's a language you have t- obtained from living in America versus I'm not like living in Japan. Right. But I think there are things I need to. I think I, I think it would be foolish of me to ignore the things I learned from learning English when thinking about Japanese. Um and I'm not saying again that that means that it's going to be like full proof or anything like that. But there are things that I know that I do better with. And I it doesn't lead to problems, absolutely. There are things in English that I screw up all the time because I didn't learn it the, quote, proper way, right? But it doesn't... It's like a minor annoyance. It doesn't really get in the way, right? Um, and I don't really plan to do anything that's like fan translating or anything like that. So, like... Or, or, or you know, officially, like, do any work that's translating, right? Um, so, I don't know. I, I've had, like, mixed mixed responses from people. Um, but, you know, it's what it is. And so, I think at the end of the day, I, I take that, that, that feedback they've given me and work that into what I know about, you know, me learning English. And um, the things that I have done, I think, when, like, adjustments I have made to how I'm learning Japanese... Um, based off like the, the, the things that I've done in English, I think it, it has been better for me so far. Um, I think it will build bad habits. I think it will cause problems, but you know, I think everything's going to be plus or minus, right? You know? You can you can spend uh, seven years in college and then not be able to sp- you know, speak a language if you don't immerse yourself in it as well, right? So there's a lot of ways you can screw it up, and I think everyone's going to be different, right? But like I maybe a a problem with this is that like at the end of the day, I only really care that like I better understand Japanese. I don't really have any goals, so it's not like I'm trying to do like an end whatever tests they're called um, or you know I-, I don't know. Like it's weird, but. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's on my docket of what I've been doing. Uh, it's probably going to be a while until I'm wrapped up with my Japanese coach, especially since I slowed things down to kind of spend more time studying some of the things that I really looked at my Japanese coach and was like, I don't really know what they're asking me to do here. And so I probably need to better understand it and using resources outside the game that are probably better at teaching those things kind of thing like that. So anyways, that's that. And then, uh, before we get into news and I guess also the coffee, coffee stuff, um, I you know man I've been rambling a long time just looked at the timestamp on this episode. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about uh uh Mario Ware snapped or uh crazy climber this week cuz we got stuff to get through. Um but I also have been asked a lot recently about the um Casio Loopy. If you don't know, Casio Loopy is Casio's like I don't know what Casio did. They're like electronics manufacturer I think in the 90s. I I think they did like calculators and stuff. I I don't know. I I don't know that much about Casio to be honest. Um but they made a, a a game console specifically aimed at young girls. Um, maybe kind of informed by kind of that like um, I don't know if it's actually I don't know what came first, but like that kind of like putty kuda kind of culture around like you know taking pictures and and putting little like icons and stuff on it and printing them out and stuff like that. You do in the arcades in Japan, right? Um, I don't know which one came first, but, um, you know, Casio Loopy has a printer on it. And so I don't think you can take like your own pictures or anything like that. Although there is one game that like hooks up to a VHS tape or something or VH- VHS thing or something like that, uh, recorder. Um, I think that like you, you basically have little stickers you can print out and stuff like that. I spent like three or four hours with one at a, uh, Portland Retro Game Expo. I had a great time. It was amazing. Uh, it was really neat to see. Um, but I've been asked a lot about like, hey, are you gonna look into this? Because there's been a lot of increased interest due to um, changes in like the emulation scene for that system. Also, uh, there's been a flash cart that got out recently. Also, somebody made like a six-hour video about it or something like that. So there's a lot of um, um, f- interest I think at the moment. And I think people look at me and say, hey, you like games for girls and old Japanese computer consoles or uh, Japanese game consoles? Like, uh, are you are you up for it? Are you up to the challenge? <laughs> and ask if I'm going to cover it and stuff. And uh, I don't have any plans right now. We did brief briefly in the past talk about the Casio Loopy Fund potentially getting one of those, um, but uh, I think it's a little expensive now. I think at that time I was even at the time I was like uh, that might be too expensive for my own blood, honestly. Um, obviously emulation is free. Um, but you know, I, I, I guess the big thing for me is like trying to find the reason I would look at it. Um, I think I would rather look at other DS games and stuff that are based around games for girls at this moment, like in in my current interest, like for me, the Sega Bina is a more interesting thing, which is like the Pico successor console that was like aimed at like three year olds. And there's like a Love and Berry game and Prepara game and stuff like that on there, right? Doraemon games and stuff like that, right? That is like a system I think would be more likely for me to get. Also, nobody cares about it. So pricing wise, it's a lot cheaper kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of times I have to ask myself, you know, what what is what am I adding to that conversation if I'm if I'm going to be looking at something and, and what would I be interested in learning about? Because, you know, a lot about video games for me is learning. And I don't necessarily know if there's anything about the Casio Loopy I feel like I would learn playing one, um, and I don't really know the current sentiment around the Casio Loopy because I think I think like part of the reason I am focused on the PCFX is because the sentiment around the PCFX is not great. So I feel a need to, like, you know, be a part of that conversation to draw, to you know, move the conversation in the right direction with the PCFX. Being realistic about what the PCFX can and can't do, you know, what's going on there and stuff like that, but also, you know, not having it be demeaned to the extent that people just will not even consider it. Right? I I do not get the impression the Casio Loopy is in that space. Um, I do know briefly there was somebody in a games for girls group I was in once. Mentioned to me that they felt the Casio Loopy was poorly represented by like adult men specifically. I don't know if they knew I was an adult man, (laughs) um, but you know, I think old dudes looking at retro game consoles and stuff. I don't know how if that is still the case today because that was probably like four or five years ago at this point that this conversation came up, but um, yeah, it is a system. I don't know, like if I had one, I'd probably poke at it, but uh, I just don't have a lot of interest at this moment so. I don't know. i to Love and Berry songs recently. <laughs> Just like they're, they're not good. Um, at least the English versions are not good. They're not very, very well translated into songs. They did like a lot of literal lyrics, translations and stuff, which I don't think were particularly uh the smartest way to handle any music probably when you translate it, because then like, what, what is the, like the words are pretty important words and how they sound pretty important to songs. Um, so like getting something that sounds right is, uh, is I think challenging if you're localizing a song, right. Um, but it make me think a little bit about like, you know, there's, so there's this guy I knew in college who was like really into the TV show, Arthur, like the ant eater. Right. And, um, he talked to me a lot cause I think I was like willing to listen to like what he had to say about Arthur. And I'll be honest with you. I don't remember a single thing he said about Arthur. And I think at the time I was not as considerate, I think. And so I probably was listening to him, but didn't necessarily have like anything Nice to say about it or anything like that, but it was was okay listening to what he had to say about it. Um, and like it is interesting to think about like the type of people who get into kind of kids media and stuff. Because I mean, I'm kind of there, right? Like I, I'm talking about getting a Sega Pico Bina, right? Like <laughs> like gains for three year olds, right? I, I get it, I guess. But um, I guess like in a lot of ways, like I, I wonder if like when when People are, like, specifically into that content. Not always. I think this is a bad, like, generalization. But I think generally, like, it is people that have, like, harder times reading, like, emotions and things like that. And so, like, having stuff that's, like, a lot more straightforward and, like, the lessons it tells and things like that can be nice, right? Like, I think there's, like, certain, like, more adolescent-style storytelling that appeals to certain people because it's a bit more direct in, like, what it's trying to say versus, you know, how much garbage you need to dig through a xeno game to understand what it's trying to say right um which i mean admittedly a lot of times it's not that complicated when you sit down and think about it for about two seconds but in the context of a video game set in space right you're not gonna necessarily make all the the lines like i I spent many years never thinking about xeno and then you know basically the last year looked at xeno was like oh yeah (laughs) There's a lot of stuff in this game that's just talking about modern day issues. Um, but, you know, I, I try not to highlight that stuff too much because I think it pushes a lot of people away. And like, also, you don't necessarily know if that's like the specific pe- thing people are looking at. Right. It like gets into weird, like Austin Walker territory where he's like, let me talk about uh, uh, was it colonialism with Monster Hunter? And like, it's probably there. Don't get me wrong. But like I just like like I think you have a harder time reaching people if you're like very direct about it, right? It's like the was it I, I think I always call it like the Twilight Zone effect or something where you like kind of the the more you bring it away from reality, the more sorry I just dropped a pen on the floor. The more people are um, you know willing to 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 listen to like what you're trying to say, right? So but then the more likelihood that they'll you'll lose them along the way, right? So you know. People who are like, oh, Final Fantasy VII isn't about climate change. <laughs> it's like, I mean, maybe not directly, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of, it's about environmentalism and like uh, how that's abused and and stuff like that. Right. I think in some ways, but anyways, all that stuff aside that just like love and Barry made me think a little bit about that. But you know, again, getting back to the songs about daddies. So I, I looked into it, the song about daddy, what was going on in that song? So the the song is, you get in a fight with Daddy, right? And then it's Daddy's birthday, so you don't want Daddy to be mad, and you want to give him his gift, and you hope giving him his gift on his birthday will make Daddy not mad (laughs) anymore. (laughs) So there we go. Follow up to the Daddy Mad Chronicles. I don't know if that was last, last episode or two episodes ago, but... I had to remember, like, why was Daddy mad? Um, and I, I don't remember exactly why Daddy was mad. And it doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> but it's the Love and Berry song. <laughs> but yeah, all those Love and Berry songs on uh, YouTube if you want to go check them out. Whew, I've been rambling on about random stuff for a bit. Let's get into uh, uh, Kofi stuff. Jillian's Corner. We are in Jillian's Corner where we're going to answer a question because Jillian supports us on Kofi. Um, we also have donations from Fireweed, Demodori, Dory, and Megamint. Reminder, if you would like to ask me a question, you can do that by going to Kofi <laughs> <laughs> to make your donations and then messaging me your question. Um, do you have a question for me? Who can say? I don't know Like what people... like At this point, what do you ask me? I don't know what there is to ask. Ask me anything. Ask me about the love and... What lessons have I learned from Love and Berry? Do you own any games you've never even seen the start screen of? Asks um, uh, Jillian. And unfortunately, I have bad news. Most video games I have purchased in the last two years, I have not seen the start screens for. Um, there's other ones I have. I used to be a lot better about this. I used to basically bring any game I bought on stream and would play a little bit of it or at least, you know, play it and then talk about it in a video. Um I there's a benefit there of like really going in and like touching something the moment you buy it right. So it doesn't just like disappear from your mind the second it goes on your shelf. And I think there's like a, an appeal to that. But the problem I run into is two things. One is if I play something for 30 minutes, that kind of paints my opinion of that game based off a 30 minute chunk at the start of the game. And I really would like to see all the video game most of the time. And then also I feel like it's a waste of time because if I just spend like, you know, five hours playing 30 minutes of, of various video games that I don't intend to beat, that's time I could have spent, you know, playing something I had a full interest in kind of thing. So, um, honestly, most of the things I haven't bought in the last two years. Skate City Heroes, never seen the title screen for it. Um, Gormiti, never seen the title screen for it. Uh, I was about to say um, Zork, Return to Zork, but I actually did put that in f- briefly for a video um, on our first some PCFX stuff. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know. There's pros and cons, I think, to not putting your games in immediately when you check them out. Um, I don't really care about ceiling games. so I'm OK to just like open a video game even if I don't put it in um but uh, i did i did unwrap my Bot and kytos uh uh copy even though i don't plan to play it but there's like an art book or something inside so or an art book uh digital art book so i looked at that for like five minutes and was like okay yeah that's art <laughs> so that was, that was about how that went so um yeah a lot unfortunately but mostly within the last year or two um i hope that's not true diva on ice never seen that that title screen I don't know. I, I, I think I have a very, a fairly negative opinion on just looking at games for 30 minutes these days. I think there's a lot of, a lot of bad things it can do. I've watched a lot of videos and streams where people just play like 30 minutes of games at a time, and I think it uh, is kind of unfair to those games in a lot of ways. I think just 30 minutes is not enough time. I think you really need to sit down and like give games and a shot. I think people are really willing to just, you know, I think it's the emulator problem, right? Just the second you don't have an interest, just go away. That's basically what what you can do. Just, you can leave. Get out of here. And then it's like, you don't see any of that game later. You don't like, you know, try to learn the controls at all. You don't try to understand what a game's doing. It's just easy to go away. Um, which, you know, if you're looking for just something fun to play, I think that's fine. But, you know, from a, a analyzing games perspective and stuff, I think it um I think for me, it's important that, you know, I give games fair shots, right? So that's a big thing. I don't know if I really answered that the way you wanted me to, Jillian, but it's there. So anyways, again, Donate to me on Kofi, ask yourself the question. See the Soma Bringer draft video um, if you want. Uh, and then also, it's like the first half of the video or something. Or maybe like the first third, actually. Uh, and then also, maybe eventually if I do this WarioWare Snap thing as well separately, maybe that will be there too. I make no guarantees. You may donate something on Kofi and not get anything, but you can always ask me a question. <laughs> okay, let's let's I'm, I'm getting off this topic let's get into news welcome to the news corner we're going to talk about things um some of these games i don't really have a lot to say about other things i have lots to say about uh these first few ones i think we can kind of bounce through pretty quickly though anime video game blue exorcist this is an old anime i think from like the 2010s but i think there's a reboot i think i saw there's some kind of new anime for it and they're uh, launching a new action rpg that is mobile and pc This caught my eye, mostly because it looks like there are multiple players on the field. Now, look. Dragon Quest Infinity Strash. Same deal. Multiple players on the field. I was like, maybe there'll be online multiplayer. Never happened. So I'm not saying this game has online multiplayer, but anytime an action RPG has online multiplayer, I am like passively interested more than like more than anything. I'm like, okay, cool. I may actually play this video game with someone at some point, right? I have a copy of Tokyo Ghoul right behind me. <laughs> um that now I don't have PS Plus. I guess uh I guess it will not be played online unless we make a particular date. Give me a Tokyo Ghoul date um to um uh, go to so (laughs) like that idea of a romantic date of i need to play through tokyo ghoul are you up for me (laughs) so um but yeah it just kind of caught my eye it's just kind of like anime boys with swords for the most part um I would be interested in seeing it, but being on mobile and PC, I don't know how that will go. I don't know. It depends. Like, I mean, it being a mobile game, right? Like, I kind of have expectations around certain types of mobile games and PC ports of mobile games typically still feel like mobile games, right? Maybe I'm just saying Snowbreak Containment Zone poisoned my view a little bit of mobile games a bit more. (laughs) I need to play Ever Crisis still. That's really what's going to happen. But uh, I don't know action RPGs on phone always seem like a really weird thing to me as well. But uh, neat. I, I, I think anytime in, in, in an anime game is doing more than just a fighting game or something like that, I'm, I'm usually happy to see it, see how it's going to turn out. That uh, Fate Samurai game, I don't know what it's called, uh, looks pretty neat as well. I don't know if I'll ever play that. I'm going to guess I'll never play Blue Exorcist. This is probably the last time we'll ever talk about Blue Exorcist. But there it is. I kind of put Gram, like in my brain. I think Grand Blue Fantasy Relink kind of exists in this same space of just like Grand Blue is like a external IP to me to like more regular games. I mean, it's weird now. I'm gatekeeping video games, but like Grand Blue as a as a mobile like RPG series, like making an action RPG around it. I kind of get the impression it's not going to be like them putting a full foot into action RPGs. Admittedly, they have a ton of money, so if they want to put their full foot in, they can. Everything about that Grand Blue Fantasy game, Relink game, like, just looks weird to me. Like, it doesn't look like a fully fleshed out video game to me. Everything about it just seems like there are spaces for... Weird spaces where there's, like, nothing. And I just don't know what to do with that information. Maybe it's just I don't see it yet. Uh, Maybe that stuff is missing. I think a lot about, like, how Dragon Quest Heroes 2 is, like, we have online multiplayer. And you get there and it's like, we have... An online multiplayer to <laughs> play it, and it's like, Yeah, there's something here, you can do this if you want. Um, and I feel like Grambly Fantasy, a lot of times, whenever I see that game, it looks like that. It's just like, Yeah, there's a big looking world, but you're probably not gonna do anything in it. Um, there is these post game boss fights, but they're all like in arenas and stuff, as far as I can tell. So, like what are you really doing other than just fighting, like, bosses? Which, I mean, I guess, like, Monster Hunter is basically that as well. I don't know. I, I, I am reading... I think I've just always been skeptical of Granblue Fantasy Relink, starting from the fact that Platinum Games is making it. <laughs> and, and I'm skeptical of basically anything Platinum Games makes. I just... I don't like their games very much most of the time. Uh, Wonderful 101. Great video game. Babylon's Fall? Okay. Um, Nier Automata? <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It, it looks fine, uh, but we'll see. Oh, uh, this is not related to the news stories at all, but I did see that Custom Mech Wars came out and had an online campaign co-op, so I am excited about that. So, I think the problem with, with Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, with me playing that with people, is that it, as far as I want a single-player game first and this, the multiplayer content's like after the fact, so if I don't get to that game when everybody else does, I'm going to guess I'm just never going to play that game multiplayer with anybody, so at least that's my expectation. But uh, uh, who knows? Anyways, back to our, 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 our segment here about anime video games, our second, and I guess last anime video game, now that I think about it, our, our segment that includes two video games, uh, the Spikes family game, I pretty, I don't know if I ever mentioned this on the show, it showed up in Nintendo Direct a while ago, and it's like, ah, what's her name, Anya, the little, little pink hair girl, she's like taking pictures and stuff, um, and I just kind of like, I don't know it's one of those cases again one of those cases where i was like i don't really see the rest of this video game so much and so i was a little confused at like what was really there um they showed off some more screenshots recently and uh i've actually and i'm opening this up real quick so i can look at the screenshots to remember oh good this uh page isn't loading but uh anyways um i think there was like like a dress-up mechanic to the game as well as like uh like little arena fights you do. And I'm sure none of it is like super deep, but like, I feel like a lot of anime games take that approach and that's fine. Like it's okay though. Like it's not really a problem. Um, and, and so I'm okay with that. So it drew my interest a little bit more, just a lot more variety than I thought there would be in that game versus just taking pictures as Anya kind of thing. So, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see if I end up checking that out. I played a Common Writer game or something adjacent to that kind of thing once that I think felt very similar. Just like here's a bunch of variety of scenarios with different gameplay styles and stuff like that. And um, you know, it's 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 not going to be anything deep, but you know, the variety is what makes it fun and interesting. And you just kind of bounce around between the different tasks and different play st- styles. Um, and you know, I think the a lot of times it comes down to how long are they asking to interact with something, like for a long time. Um, It's the thing I talk about like Super Mario Odyssey a lot where I think Mario Odyssey is very smart about when they want you to stop using an ability because a lot of the abilities in that game I think are very funky and so if you take them outside their controlled environment or spend a little too long just interacting with that ability you really start to see like the rough edges and things like that so. Japanese PC stuff is something I've been uh it came up in the the, the Discord a couple times. Um, if you don't know, in Japan, there's been kind of like a PC renaissance... Um, I forget what the, we, uh, I had like a game industry story that we, I linked in the discord at some point that I do not have here on hand. I'll link it in the podcast show notes if I can find it pretty quickly. If not, it's not really the topic of this, this discussion anyways, but basically Japan has had kind of like a renaissance in PC gaming after spending a lot of time specifically on game consoles outside of, you know, Doshin games and things like that. Um, and so there's some interesting stuff that I saw pop up in the news this week, just specifically with like, I think there's like this store called like DOSU, Dosupada Utsuyonomia store. my japanese coach helping me out today <laughs> i'm sure that was pitch perfect uh pronunciation of all those words um i think it's like a store a pc store that closed in 2011 and apparently they reopened um their their location i mean this is all again all through like machine translation so i'm not it doesn't really matter it's just the context of what i was looking at right um, although one thing that was kind of interesting about the store is they had like a train simulator corner <laughs> specifically for, you know, uh, setups where you, you would play train games on your computer and stuff like that. And accessories for that, I thought that was really cute. Um, but they opened a store, uh, in Japan again recently, and they had a line outside their door for that. Um, and then also, uh, in, in, in Japan, like physical stores with stuff is always like interesting. What still has a physical store. where in the U S you know, trying to find many physical stores with any kind of, like, PC game parts and stuff in it is, like, a challenge on its own, right? Um, and then there's, like, an online store, I think, called, like, Frontier, who does, like, uh, uh, ordering PCs, uh, kind of on-demand kind of thing, I believe is what they're they're doing. And they put out, like, a online video game around PC building and stuff. And they have, like, an, a mascot character named uh, Kasuda Maiko. 22-year-old tinker. And She has a very round koi fish pet, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's interesting to see like this kind of stuff crop up in uh different ways, I guess. Like, in, like because Japan, the market is just like a bit different, right? And so, obviously, like the on-demand um PC building stuff is definitely here in the U.S. But like seeing like an actual location that's built around that kind of stuff is kind of neat. I mean, they're sure, I'm sure there's some here in the U.S. as well, but um, I don't know, I don't, know. I guess there's not really much to say about that. I just saw those two news stories, and it made me think about the fact that like. It is interesting how Japan has kind of shifted back to like using more PCs for for gaming and stuff like that. That being said, and I think maybe like part of the reason I put this on this list here is that like, I don't really know what people, what normal people utilize PCs for, right? I spend all day on my PC, right? For work, for enjoyment, for communication, all those things, right? Creativity, all that stuff day in, day out that is my PC is used for that. Right. Um, and so I, like, I don't know, like, I guess in my mind, and, you know, maybe this is me being old, like in my mind, most people probably growing up are growing up with a mobile device first and foremost, right? That is the first thing they're interacting with. Right. So I'm curious how many go from I'm using a mobile device to I'm interested in getting my own PC, you know, for myself kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, whether that be through, you know, you, you uh, family or a job or something like that, right? Like how many people are really going out of their way to get PCs and how many people are playing games on PCs or making PCs for, for gaming specifically, obviously people my age, I think are in that market, but you know, I wonder people who are like 20 years old or something like that, you know, how much are they engaged in that? And I just really don't understand. I think I don't understand the role of the desktop PC, um, or maybe to some extent, even the laptop computer. Um, you know, in, in the modern market when it comes to modern households and people who probably spend a lot of their time using mobile devices more than anything. I say this as somebody who doesn't use my mobile device very much at all. So, you know, or at least at, least at home. So, I think it's just a little bit of uncertainty on my part in that regard. I think that's like something that even within the U.S., I just don't really understand. So there's always like talk about like, Oh, will PC gaming come back and stuff like that? I mean, I mean that's, not the, that's not what I was talking about. The, sorry, scratch that. There's always talk about will PC gaming replace console gaming um, and stuff like that. And uh, I think eventually, sure. But, um, I wonder how much of the market's really willing to invest and engage with, with building a PC. I spent my last weekend was spent troubleshooting a PC and it was a nightmare. And I consider myself not smart when it comes to this stuff, but like I am willing to go into a PC and take parts out and I generally know what they are. Right. I, I am not saying I know what I'm doing, but (laughs) I'm in there and I kind of know what they are. Right. Right. So, like, as somebody who has no idea what they're doing, right, like, how much are they they willing to, like, really get in there and, like, put something together? But, again, build on demand. <laughs> and then I guess at that point you just ask for support from the companies. But, you know, I, th- I maybe just get a pre-built PC so you can swap the whole thing out, right? That's That's maybe the better thing to do. So, anyways. There wasn't really a point to the story. So that's the end of that story. <laughs> that's the end of that. Uh, let's talk about more video games. Love and Deep Space. I feel like we talked about this game a really long time ago. Specifically, I think what is talked about in the Chinese market um but uh there's recently kind of like a push i think for the japanese closed beta for this game this is a game by the love nikki devs so you know these are the people who are making those dress up fashion games shiny nikki um also there's the infinity nikki that's coming to console and pc yeah, this developer has a lot of money to do different things with. And um, the Love Nikki series is not necessarily like Otome-ish in any way. It's more dress-up games for girl kind of thing, I think, in a lot of ways. So uh, this is a really a more directly Otome-style game from them, which, given their target market, makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, it definitely looks like a game that has a lot of money thrown at it. It um, has really high-quality character models and just, like, a ton of, like, you know... Th- th- Detailed animation and stuff like that. And there's like three main guys you can date... Um, one's like a, a an artist guy and there's like a young spunky you know kid kind of thing and then there's the the smart man with glasses and <laughs> if you go to their web page he he takes the longest to look back at you because like each page has like a full video in the background and like each character will look up at you and make eye contact with you and then in his case he takes forever but eventually he will make eye contact with you if you sit on the, scre- the screen long enough But, um, you can make your own character and stuff, but there, there, there is largely seems to be like kind of a first person kind of game from like the interaction with the guys and stuff. And there's also like skinship mechanics. So if you, if you remember like dual love back on the DS, like rubbing the guys' backs and stuff like that, very much that kind of thing, this up close shot of the guy with his like bare chest and like rubbing his chest and him moaning and stuff like that. Right. That, that kind of stuff. So, um, but it has like an RPG element to it. Um, and, and it's like a twin kind of, uh. (laughs) Was it Last Rebellion kind of system? Maybe I don't know if it's Last Rebellion esque. Last Rebellion is a old JRPG where there's like two characters and you swap back and forth between them, and it's really kind of fun. But it seems like the guys are kind of more the melee class kind of, and then the girl might be more magic focused or whatever. And um, it's hard to say. You know, I don't I don't know if this came out in China yet at this point. Um, but from from what material I did see, it's hard to say just like how in depth those elements really are you know, being on mobile again, I don't really expect like some, um, kind of deep system or anything like that. Um, so I don't know, but, um, it, it looks really nice and it looks really clean overall. And, uh, and I'm really curious to see, you know, what the impressions are when it eventually comes out in English, I would assume. I, I don't think they would leave it, uh, only in Asian markets, but it seems like most of that stuff kind of rolls out kind of piece by piece. So it's not necessarily something that, um, um, you know, it's not something that yeah, it comes out like as a as a worldwide release a lot of times. I mean, I I think I literally think like Shining Nikki shut down in Korea before it ever released in the U.S. Admittedly, it shut down in Korea for very like oh we stepped on China's toes kind of ways when it comes to like the the game stuff. There's like a dress that was like a. Chinese dress or it was a Korean dress I don't know both sides claimed it was their dress in the description and game like claimed it was a Chinese dress and then there was a whole uproar and then they just shut the game down in Korea basically over that as far as I understand so there's like a censored gaming video about it I think uh, at some point so speaking of games that look too good to be true though um I watched the trailer oh my god I have not seen a trailer like this in a long time there is a game based off... I think it's like a Chinese anime called The Outcast or something like that. And um, the trailer is... Quote, gameplay trailer. <laughs> um, It is a gameplay trailer probably in the sense that like Killzone 2 was. Or Red Steel. Or Deep Down. Like, it looks... It is... I... I'm going to bet it was a concept trailer. Um, and they labeled it as a gameplay trailer. And I think it's all those things where you have to look down, sit down and look at them and say, like, oh, like, what is this? Like, like, is this actually gonna represent our video game? And I think when it comes to tone and concept trailers, they're probably really good internally, right? For like showing people who you're working with, you know, the game you're trying to build, right? Obviously, it's not going to be 100% what you want it to be, but you know, will communicate the thing you should be trying to do. And I think looking at Red Steel's E3 demo, uh, maybe I should say E3 trailer, the long trailer that was put out online that had way too many fancy animations and bloom effects and all that stuff, look at that compared to what was in the final video game, right? You can see where they tried to replicate those elements and bring that into the game. I don't know which way it happened, honestly, but you know, like I think that is probably that was built that way and then turned into a level. I would assume. Um, and so, I think it's good internally, probably for that. But I think you probably should never show these kind of trailers to the public because they're just like way too animated, sets way too high expectations, all that kind of stuff. Um, It is a nice looking trailer, I will say, just in terms of the tone and concept side of things. I like the general vibe of it. It is just like kind of this weird horror kind of like thing where he's like in a hotel room with like this puppet lady walking around the walls and stuff. But the guy is very like Leon S. Kennedy about it of just like, you know making little sly remarks about it the whole way through despite it being presented as like kind of a horror game kind of thing and eventually gets on the rooftop and there's a fight up there again very choreographed probably way too um way too detailed in a lot of ways and it's a mobile action rpg so again, i don't know anything about mobile action rpgs really but i i do a little hesitate a little bit like about when it comes to the controls of those games and how they actually play out but a lot of people play genshin impact on a phone so who am i to say (laughs) um um but yeah it's a made by some developer called like more fun games it's a chinese developer and uh they've made a lot of like licensed anime phone games based off naruto um there's something else i forgot what it was and then uh they made some like military shooter then they had some like i think it's like an original ip very cutesy little animal people kind of thing Um, but none of their games came anywhere close to looking like that maybe they have the money to build a game like that but i would be very surprised but um yeah, it's one of those things that, like, you just try to really catch it, right? And sometimes it's hard to tell. I never really went back and looked at The Last of Us 2. I was very skeptical of the original Last of Us 2 trailer. Um, I think there's kind of two ways those kind of trailers can play out. If it is in gameplay and there's a lot of really f- nice, fancy animations, um, those can be guided demos as well where the person, you know, playing knows exactly what they're trying to do. And maybe if you follow their exact path in-game, you'd get a very similar, like, aesthetic uh, uh Situation as them, right? Um, but then at the same time, you know, in a video game, you have free control of what's going on. So like making a character throw all their weight into pushing against something or something like that when they walk up or like slowly get for, like faster as they push up against something. And all that kind of stuff, I think, is really hard to do when you have a player that can turn the player around at any moment, right? And then if you if you do do that and do animation lock, you end up with Final Fantasy XIV, where like you need to be able to react quickly, right? But the game like has your character like stumbling to turn around. And so it's like very slow to turn around in a game like that, which I, I liked in that game. So, <laughs> but you know, uh, the game wasn't designed around it though, per se. So it didn't really work that great, unfortunately. But, um, there's a lot of things about Final Fantasy 14 1.0. I think just like the game was not designed around it in a way. So things just didn't work well. Um, or at least I should say they just weren't like the, they just didn't have the polish they needed in, 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 the design of what they were doing. a lot of things just didn't feel thought out very well, unfortunately, and a lot of band aid solutions to, to get them to work. Um, I'm sure they probably would have made it better, but that's just how it is, right? Um. Anyways, but yeah, it just uh, looked a little uh suspect, but overall it looked kind of neat. Um, Things that look suspect, Um, I guess this is leading into kind of the big drama of the, um. I don't know, it's been a long time since we've had any drama. What was it? Babylon's Fall. Well, Babylon's Fall was last year and it kind of just kind of wrapped up again at the end of the beginning of this year. And there's Hogwarts. Hogwarts Legacy, for sure. That was uh, the big drama this year. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. But anyways, feels like it's been a bit since we had some kind of piece of drama of the day before. This is like a survival online on rails, not on rails, Survivor on Transformers Cybertron Adventures <laughs> um, um, uh, online survival kind of loop game um, thing that came out. And uh, basically, within the course of like 24 hours, basically, people... I think it was like half their copies got refunded. And then also um, the developer was like, well, financially, this doesn't make sense with like this many copies being, um, you know, refunded, basically. So basically, we did not make the money we needed from this. Um, I don't know if the initial set of sales they had was enough or it was, mo- you know, because of things like the, the, the refunds that ultimately killed them. But they basically said we're shutting down um and you know it's one of those things where like they put out a trailer there's a lot of fancy things going on in the trailer it didn't look that great I mean it looked fine um there's a lot, it's one of those trailers that had a lot of like very like marketing bullet points of just like every bullet point you'd want some guy to hear in a marketing meeting there you go it was on that it was in that trailer um but people apparently were very excited for this video game I've never heard this game before this drama I'm mean, gonna see a lot of people hadn't heard about this game before this drama but there was a lot of uh excitement for this game at least from a particular community uh, but I think it sold like 200,000 copies. That's not a small amount um, initially when it when it sold that. But um, I guess my frustration and like the only thing that I really want to talk about with this is that you know it, it went through this whole process and basically the publisher has said they're refunding everything. If you want your refund, get your refund. All that stuff and and you can do that. Um, and I think it's I think it's an early access game as well, which is another like kind of modifier here. But um or, or thing here but like uh, there's just so many videos about this it's like scam 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 it's a scam and it's like ah it's just like it looks like somebody was making a video game and they probably ran out of money and they're like we can launch this in early access see if this is acceptable and then get some extra money from the people who are interested in to continue supporting us. But then clearly whatever they put out, it wasn't good enough, right? And so that that resulted in the, the mass refund back. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I imagine many developers, you know, will hit those points in projects where they have to ask, like, is this financially viable for us to move forward? Uh, in the case of this company, it sounds like it was, you know, something that it was no longer financially viable to move forward. And, um, they, you know, they were going to spend the money they earned basically in the refunding process. Right. Um, obviously I don't know the full story here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know any of these people. I don't know any of these developers. Fantastics, the developer. Um, and then I think I forget who the publisher is. Some, there's a publisher involved as well, but, um, at the end of the day, everyone's getting their money back. Um, you know, and people are saying, why'd you make the trailer look so good? Well, p- p- buddy, <laughs> let me tell you about video game trailers. Uh, they are a vertical slice for a reason, um, because the rest of the game is not done. <laughs> so, um, there's a lot of things that when it comes down to like performance and stuff like that. Like what can we, what can we do for performance? Right. That's why the lighting changes in games. That's why geometry gets simplified. Why texture work gets simplified. Why performance isn't as smooth as you want it to be. Cause this is not running on end, like end of the, the, uh, like final hardware. It's not running in an environment where that may necessarily make sense. Right. You know, you have the, what was it? The Ico trailer that they sped up like three times because they couldn't get the game to run properly. And they're just like, we're never going to release the game this way, but let's show them how we, were, we want to release the game, right? And ultimately it's just like, you can make a decision of whether you're going to buy this game or not, right? Like that that's the other thing. Like uh, everything about this process seemed to check out and have been fine. I think people are just very upset about that one trailer, which looking back at it, like looked fine. It wasn't anything crazy um but like the, the, it seems like they just couldn't finish making their video game and that was just the, the nature of it they ran out of money here's our last ditch effort to put something out is my read on the situation again not knowing anything about any of the people in the situation but I don't know. I think people are just way too quick to say something's a scam. Um, when it really, I just don't see a lot saying that it's a scam here. Uh, it's, it's disappointing to see every time people going out of their way to harass people in this process. Right. And, and stuff like that. So anyways, um, kind of related to this a little bit last of us two multiplayer got canceled um so uh this was uh you know last of us two came out a while ago i think they were planning on launching with multiplayer i don't remember and then i think they kind of pushed it back um and then it just kind of kept kept getting pushed back um and uh yeah, it. Um, I was a little disappointed on this side myself because it's probably the only part of Last of Us I had any interest left anymore. Um, I think taking inherently single player games and making them multiplayer is a really interesting thing, and um, Uncharted did this, and I thought Uncharted actually was like really successful in this regard. Um, it made awkward feeling multiplayer shooters for sure, but that was kind of like the a charm of it for me and stuff like that. So uh, I never played the original Last of Us multiplayer, unfortunately. Um, but, um, but I was kind of interested in what was going to go on with this. And I think it probably would have been one of the few cases of me being interested in like a Sony first party thing. But, uh, yeah, they got scrapped and they basically said they're going to focus on making single player content going forward. Um, which, you know, I think, I think that's fine. Uh, I, I probably will have no interest in anything they're doing in the future. I am slightly interested in charted, um, still, but I like not enough to continue, like to not enough to bite the bullet on it. I think as time has gone on, I've been less and less interested in Uncharted, despite owning more and more of the games. The only one I don't own is the first one still, but maybe someday I'll get that on PS3. It's pretty dirt cheap if I really, really want it. So, Recently, I saw there was an article. I think it was Automata Media who put out an article, but then I tried to look into it and couldn't find it later, so I don't know where I saw this, but there's an article that was talking about uh, Hajime Tamada. This is the guy who worked on Final Fantasy XV uh, and a bunch of other stuff, third birthday and stuff like that. Um, and there is a an article basically saying that he was like, oh, he's working on like an RPG. It's like three or four months into development, and um it's coming along. And then also he's working on like an MMO with his uh game company. I think it's called JP Games. Yeah, JP Games Incorporated is what it's called. Um if you don't know, when he left Square Enix after Final Fantasy XV and, and all that stuff got cancelled, um he he made a Paralympic game um with the with uh, I think an official game of the Paralympics. I don't know anything about that video game. I know it exists, that's about it. Uh, but I was kind of curious what he's been up to. Cause that game, as far as I'm aware, has been kind of dead for a while now. And I think they actually may have pulled it after like the licensing stuff ran out. Um, I don't know for sure on that, but that's just like coming out of my memory now. Um, but, uh, I wanted to kind of look into what he was doing exactly. So I went and looked into JP games incorporated, um, and, uh, found some stuff. <laughs> Dude, it's the kind of bullshit we're interested in on this show. That's the thing. That's the reason why this is here, <laughs> which maybe tells you where this is going. <laughs> um, so um, out of their their Paralympics game, apparently they made a, uh, a RPG, oh gosh, RPG Metaverse Middleware on Unreal Engine <laughs> called Pegasus World Kit. Um, and this uh, RPG World Kit, um, RPG Metaverse Middle Engine World Kit, I guess, I don't know um it seems to be leaning into ai generation for content um so what it does basically is you take photos and things like that or i think in some cases it actually has videos as well of various environments in real life and you can use that to build out 3d environments in video games now i'm not saying this is unique to this software i'm just saying this is what it seems like they're big pitches um i'm gonna guess other software does this i wouldn't be surprised if other big game engines already do this Um, and that's kind of like where the world building aspect of their game is that they're focusing on. They're also leaning into, uh, AI voice learning for communicating in online spaces. So how they're utilizing this seems to be where you can basically create your own AI generated voice or something like that. And, um, it will allow you to talk in different languages using your own voice tone and stuff like that. So they show example of somebody, who's Japanese, saying something in Japanese in text. But because the voice is like learned on their own text, it machine translates that text, I assume, to English, which I'm sure would be wonderful and beautiful and will work perfectly fine, no problems. (laughs) Um, And then the voice they have uh, equipped with their voice, the, the voice generation they have, says it in their voice as well kind of thing um so so it's kind of a lot of ai uh oriented kind of pitches that they're doing um and they also have something called uh, or i don't know if called is the right word but they have basically a a sword fighting engine built in their game as well so if you if you need to make some cool looking sword moves uh they have that there no mention of ai in that segment so it's like ai ai cool swords (laughs) there we go with that um so so yeah um, and then the other element of this as well is guess what gamers it's got NFT integration <laughs> so so they have like a NFT storefront and ability for you to buy and sell NFTs within this, this this middleware and stuff like that it seems like and they announced something called Gemini Games. I could not really figure out what this was even look at the English announcement page for this like I couldn't figure out if this is a game or not and honestly for a lot of NFT games that's kind of what it is there's a key art a vague promise to make a game you can invest in and earn play to earn right and then uh and then that's it um so this is a, a web 3 game i could not figure out if they were the ones making it or if just their middleware is being used to make it i got the feeling that they were the ones making this thing so i don't know if this is the rpg they're talking about or something separate but it is a web 3 game for sure. Um, they did share some uh, very like, uh, if you want to call it concept art, is like AI art cards. So it, like, it's like like these real looking ladies, but then they're minotaurs and elves and stuff. But I'm pretty sure it's like all AI generated and stuff like that. So uh, also they do virtual live concerts as well. That's the other thing that they're using their middleware for. So very fun stuff, Hajime Tabata has <laughs> uh, as, uh, uh, left Square Enix to do. Um he did uh I'm trying to remember gosh maybe it was like a VG247 article that this came up then I'm trying to think like, like like where I got this from but I remember something about that article was basically Tajime Tamada saying that like he disagreed with the CEO on some stuff so he decided to leave maybe about AI and NFT <laughs> So we'll see. Um, nothing in here looks particularly good, but you know, it's middleware. So like how much does it really need to look good as long as you're selling the thing that you're selling or you're trying to sell, right? So it's not like, you know, Unreal Engine where you're trying to sell, you know, the graphics fidelity of this engine. So you have to make it look very polished, right? Um, a lot of the stuff looks like second life kind of stuff in in its current implementation, but, um, you know, I I don't know anything about middleware and what the market is for that and stuff like that. But I thought it was interesting that that was kind of where he's at after, uh, that Paralympics game. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see if that other RPG is utilizing any of these tools that they're, they're, they're building on, right? Uh, the MMO I would assume is going to utilize the AI learning for voice communication and stuff. But, you know, uh, I'd be curious to see if that 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 results in anything. But for now, it is all just kind of middleware stuff. I think they're on version 1.5 of the Pegasus World Kit. So um, I couldn't find any details of any other companies using it. So it might just be an internal tool they're trying to sell off somewhere else as well now. So I forgot if I even mentioned this at the beginning of the show. We're going to talk about Game Awards real quick. I'm going to keep this very brief. It's been a long show. And, uh, I think it's, I think the Game Awards, a lot of people watched it. General impressions of the Game Awards, I think it was good. You know, I think I I am under the understanding and acceptance that the show like the Game Awards is not for me. Hajime Tabata is not going to come up on stage and say, yo gamers, AI voices, NFTs. I would be ecstatic if that happened because who would bring that on stage but that's all the more reason I want it on stage. So, um, anyways, so, uh, you know, just a lot of the games on there just aren't really in my space. Um, one thing I was very, the biggest surprise for me out of all of this, and it's probably not the thing you think that I'm surprised by dead by daylight. Um, they are doing a single player spinoff with super massive games The people who made like the until dawn and stuff. I think on uh, on place. I think that's the name of it, but like there's like kind of horror movie esque video games. Uh, doing a dead by daylight spinoff with supermassive that makes so much sense in a way i never thought um so i think that's really cool i will never play it probably there was one thing by supermassive i was interested in it was like a kind of like a military kind of horror game or whatever um but i think it wasn't a shooter or anything like that so i feel like it like maybe didn't lean into it the way i was hoping for i would be interested in like a horror shooter in like i think it said in afghanistan or something like that Um, but like he, they like fell in tunnels and stuff like that. And then there's stuff going on in the tunnels and stuff. So, but I think it was just kind of like story oriented, which I think most of supermassive games, except for their one, um, um, what's it called unreal VR shooter. I think most of their stuff is just like story oriented and not really gameplay focused, but, um, but yeah, that was just a really like smart move in my opinion and just like one of those things i just did not expect to see and it's just one of the only cases that like i'm sitting there like oh that's like super surprising it makes a lot of sense like it wouldn't have been surprising if i thought about it but i never thought about that so i was just like really kind of blown off blown off my feet (laughs) uh uh, by that so you know meanwhile they're like hey here's a new god of war game like yeah sure whatever (laughs) so um sega they uh came out and they were like yo gamers we got streets of rage i said gamers a lot in this podcast we got streets of rage crazy taxi shinobi golden axe and jet set radio all coming back um and also apparently kid chameleon there's a trademark for that potentially so could see a kid chameleon game and also just like some interviews i think it's like from sega of america's president basically going around and saying like we want to re-embrace the spirit of edgy sega from the 90s um, which I'm okay with, uh, you know, Sega's been kind of in a boring spot for a while. They're making Yakuza games, they're making Persona games, they're making, uh, I don't know, Sonic, yeah, that's the other one, <laughs> Sonic games, uh, Total War is another one I can think of top of my head, of just, like, Sega stuff, although I don't really know, like, how, T- Total War feels like one of those things that, like, it probably sells to a large market who just wants a new Total War game every couple of years or something like that, I would think, but... I don't know. Don't ask me anything about the RTS market in the modern day. Anyways, um, so I think there is definitely room for them to expand it. If you look at their financial sheets, they've definitely talked about this stuff uh, a bit. Um, you know, I uh, most of these games look fine. Um, Shinobi. There's a lot of Shinobi games I haven't played, so I'm just not particularly excited from that regard. But if you want a modern Shinobi, that game, hey, there you go crazy taxi looks fine i haven't played any of the crazy taxis outside of the original one so you know i have places to go if i need to do that with crazy taxi 3 um i think specifically being like more like console oriented because i think crazy taxi 2 is like specifically arcade as well i think crazy taxi 3 may have been arc like home console only i'm I'm trying to remember the it's been so long since that whole situation i don't remember like like how often has crazy taxi come up in the modern day right um Golden Axe looks pretty cool. You know, I'm into action RPG stuff and uh, if it's online co-op, I'm all for that. It seems like kind of behind the back third person kind of thing rather than side scrolling. So I'm all for that. Streets of Rage, I don't really have any... interest. I think they had a Streets of Rage reboot recently with the indie dev. So it's kind of weird to... Say hey Streets of Rage is back, even though it was like not gone that long ago. And then uh Jet Set Radio being kind of maybe the biggest one out of those for me, but I'll be honest with you, I kinda got what I needed out of Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future. So uh at this point, you're gonna need to sell me on something new with Jet Set Radio, and uh they did not do anything in that trailer. It looks nice. Um, so they kind of lost a little bit of its aesthetics, but uh eh, it's fine. I don't need those games to look the way they did before either. So <sighs> Um, I'm just kind of somewhat indifferent about this whole announcement. Um, I think it's cool on concept, but I think everything they showed didn't inspire that much. Golden Axe being probably the one that inspired me the most. It was just like, oh, action RPG online. I will do that. Um, and it just looks most different from the previous Golden Axe games. Although there's like Beast Rider on the 360, um, something like that, but I, I haven't played that. And I I think it, whenever it's an action RPG, it being multiplayer is always like a huge, a huge benefit for me. So um, somebody in the Discord asked me about uh you know what would, what would I feel about a new Skies of Arcadia fireweed did. Um and uh my feeling is I would just not want a new Skies of Arcadia. <laughs> I don't know, I just want, I, I, like I like if you're going to make something new in these franchises, cool, but like I think when they kind of look more or less like they used to look, I don't know, it's just like I don't know. It's it's, it's like the fine line you run whenever you do any of this kind of stuff. And it's the problem I have with Xenoblade honestly in a lot of ways of just like How much are you referencing your past? I really don't want to spend, like, all this time focusing on, like, hey, gamers, gamers, there we are again, saying gamers. Like, you know, remember Jet Set Radio? Here you go. Jet Set Radio, just like you remember it. (laughs) I don't need that. I don't need Skies of Arcadia like that either. Skies of Arcadia is a great game on its own, but, like, I would really need, I would need a Final Fantasy situation with Skies of Arcadia of just, like, here are the core, like, values of this franchise. And then here is a new game in that, right? Vice is not here. Vice does not exist in this world. Make him an Easter egg or something, right? Put the little, like, whatever, Cupid thing, Koopel. Coupal? Make Coupal show up the character who can't talk um, and, and do that. But I don't want anything else to do with the other previous world. Um, so, but I mean, I think that's how I feel about a lot of franchises in general. It's like, it's like why final fantasy is such an important franchise for me specifically is because I just don't want a lot of interconnected stuff. Right. Uh, or if I want it interconnected, I want it interconnected in very stupid ways. <laughs> so like like, it's like, if the first soldier battle royale, like the more money grubby the connection is and the less it has to do with lore in a lot of ways, the better, which is why Square Enix is the best company for me, <laughs> apparently. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, I think I just want games that just really like don't really fit the mold of those games. And so when I see games that look like they're doing what those games do. Um that's cool if that's what you're looking for, a modern version of those games. Um, but I'm happy to go back to pretty much any of these franchises and pick out ones I haven't played yet. Streets of Rage, I think I played all of those, but I kind of got what I needed out of that franchise. Crazy Taxi, I got something going on. Shinobi, I got something I could do go to. Golden Axe. I got stuff I can go to with Golden Axe, but this one looks a little unique and the multiplayer aspect would be the big thing for me if there's online multiplayer. Uh Jet Set Radio, there's like the bomb something, Bomb Cyclone or something like that, but I don't know. I haven't really felt a need for new Jet Set Radio. I say that, but I—I'd imagine I probably was excited when uh, that one developer was working on one for the Wii. Kuju Kuju Games, I think that's what they're called. Anyways, let's we'll get past the Sega stuff. But yeah, just not—not not a lot—not a lot of feelings there, unfortunately. But hey, if they're saying and more, um, I would be up for seeing anything showing back up. Right? Bring something back. I don't know. What's the stupid thing? Love and Barry, baby. Say it brings up Love and Barry all the time. Bring back Love and (laughs) Barry. I mean, I would be ecstatic if they brought back Love and Barry, though. That'd be the thing. I would love to be able to play Love and Barry. I have to, like, set up a scenario for me to play Love and Barry at this point. It's like, okay, if I want to play Love and Barry, what do I need to do? Two things. Get the arcade game on an emulator and then manually limit the cards I have access to, right? And I don't know how that works. I would need to talk to somebody who has done that stuff and, like, figure that out, right? Or play Love and Berry on the DS, which I couldn't capture. I'd have to get a Nintendo DS capture card. Very exciting process, that would be. Because cause it requires the card scanner, which is my 3DS does not support. Um And then, uh and there are DS capture cards out there. So if I wanted to, <laughs> Um and I have a DS, <laughs> but, uh, but then like buy a bunch of cards off eBay. Hope they work with the DS version. I don't know if it supports all cards, only certain seasons or what. And then like drip feed, love and Berry cards to me. So if you're going to bring, if you're going to bring back any IP Sega, what's you doing? Bring back the love and berry. Bring back the bug game. I want to be a bug. <laughs> what is that game called? Something King? Mushu King? Mushi King? I don't know. I don't don't listen to anything I just said (laughs) visions of mana uh, is the last thing that I really want to talk about on this thing Um, I have no interest in the visions or the mana series really I mean I don't want to say I have no interest I have no connection to it maybe is the better way to put it I briefly played the original game on Game Boy when I was a kid and that's about it Um, it looks a lot more triple-a than like the last like trials of mana remake or whatever it was called um i'm curious if this is recent enough to be a part of that whole um thing square Enix saying like hey instead of making a bunch of b games we're gonna make triple a games um if this is a part of that push because it really looks nice um or if this just is just how it happened to be and then that just happened to align with what they're currently doing right now um really nice looking game very colorful though um, I don't know when I'll play a Mana game. I wanted to play Secret of Mana with some people. I played it briefly with my brother-in-law and then realized the camera in that game is really awful for two players. So I don't know if it's a single player thing I need to do or if the camera is just as awful in single player. <laughs> Because, like, you push against the camera to make it, or the screen to make it move. So, you like, you walk into enemies all the time. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why do you design your video game like this? I'm sure there's a reason, but it drives me crazy. <laughs> Anyways, so, um, Visions of Mana, full 3D game, doesn't have to worry about that. I don't know. We'll see. I'll have to see more of it. But right now, from the trailer, uh, looks solid. That's about what I to say. All I'd say about that. And last news story, again, nothing really to say about this. E3 fully dead. Everybody's talking about this. E3's been dead since 2019, really. I mean, if you want to argue before that as well. So I think at this point, you know, I think it's not really missed that well much. I think there's not many more, many like uh, big like shows of just like, ah, E3. A lot of people did kind of make comments, but, you know, it's just been out of the picture for so long at this point. I don't think we're asking, oh, what will we do without E3? We're like, we know we'll do without E3. Uh, Jeff Keighley will do E3 instead. Uh online. Um, so I don't like uh the whole spread out nature of Summer Game Fest, but you know, that's just how it is. I much prefer kind of like shoving everything in one week, but I'm assuming there are reasons they decide to not do that from a marketing perspective these days. So Yeah. Anyways, a lot of video games out there. A lot of video games out there. Hard to get noticed. So if you show up in a presentation where I will ignore your video game, probably, because it's going to look like five of the other, your video game will not look like a w- real video There are a lot of video games at the Game Awards I look at and like, this doesn't look like a real video game. <laughs> like I don't know. There's so many games that come out and like, they look like video games, but I'll never see them again. So were they video games? <laughs> like, like who are, who are playing? Like, I don't even know if I've even seen anyone play Ark in the last like six years. Is Ark still a video game? I'm sure it is there's too many video games these days um anyways that's it for this week thanks for coming um like i said next episode's gonna be the game of the year episode so look forward to that checking that out i will try to keep you guys up to date whatever's gonna happen with the wariware snap thing it might just be like i look the big thing with me talking about games uh, on this podcast is that the nice thing about it when i like like quote unquote review them here is i am basically unfiltered and just will throw out whatever words come out of my mouth And the problem with, like, the casual reviews is that I didn't like that that much because I was, like, trying to lean between being filtered enough but not too unfiltered. So I think if I do do anything separate from this, it will be completely unfiltered and probably not on the YouTube channel properly, at least. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll throw it up on the Plus channel. I'd rather this be reviews, though, at that point. That's my feeling. That's how I feel. Let me know if you have any thoughts. Would you pay to see me ramble another hour? (laughs) Anyways, um that's gonna be it for that though uh i'll let you guys know if, how that turns out but i'm gonna guess i'll have to do something in the meantime even if i just like pre-record it and then drop it in a podcast later when i feel like it but get that stuff out of my head while it's still in my head because eventually it will fade away and it'll be like night's journey into dreams where i don't remember anything about what i felt about that game anymore i enjoyed it it was okay i should have just talked about all the podcast when i did but didn't do that that's it though i hope you guys have a great week Wanted to website. Join the Discord if you want. Um, go, donate to me on Ko-fi if you want to give me some support. Have a good New Year. Um, I'll hopefully get you a song video soon. But if you want to sneak peek, again, you can donate on Ko-fi. Get some. Go little bit. I turned into Telly there for a second.